The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. After he had washed the feet of his disciples, Jesus said to them, I tell you most solemnly, no servant is greater than his master. No messenger is greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know this, happiness will be yours if you behave accordingly. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But what scripture says must be fulfilled. Someone who shares my table rebels against me. I tell you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am he. I tell you most solemnly, whoever welcomes the one I send welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. I wanted to ask you a question. (laughs) It's a theological question, literally. Uh, What is God? Like, Like, how would you define God after 10 years of religious education, hearing bits and pieces of scripture, trying to open up a space for your own personal prayer, trying to pray as a community. Who, what is this big entity we're trying to commune with? What is God? How do you define God? And in a sense, like I wrote here, do you believe in God? But in a sense, that's a peripheral question. So I crossed it out. I'm really asking, what is a believable idea of God? If there is one. Like, do you think the idea of God is believable? Even if you may not personally commit your whole life to it? Yes? Okay, so what is that idea? What is God? If someone in the street... Leader, okay. What else? Guide, yeah. Creator, fantastic. Okay, anything else? What kind of personality would you hope this God has? If, he, if, if God has a personality? Yeah, okay. And then all our virtues that we can think of, patient, kind, generous, etc., etc. Cool. Anything else? No? Okay, that'll do for now. Here's the next question, and this isn't as silly as you think it is. Are you God? Like, what does your gut tell you? No? Does, anyone, <laughs> does anyone's gut tell them yes? Because in a way, this is what the mystery of sin is, isn't it? We mistake ourselves for God, which is surprisingly easy to do, even though if we think about it for even a millisecond, oh yeah, I can't create a universe out of scratch. In fact, I can't create anything out of nothing. Because when you say God is created, that's what we're saying. God doesn't just take raw material and build a house with it like we do. Anyone can do that. Um, But God kind of does miraculous things that we can't do. None of us are eternal. None of us are all-powerful. None of us are all-knowing, otherwise you wouldn't be in year 10. You'd already have a doctorate in every subject there is on the planet. So we have to suffer patiently our finiteness, our not-godness. Does that make sense? That's part of the, the mystery of life. And yet, we were made in the image of God. Like, you know that, right, from Genesis. God creates man and woman in his own image, which means there's something about you that resembles God. And more than that, there's something about you that is meant for communion with God. You're meant to be with God. 
You're not meant to be just by yourself forever. That's not our conviction in faith. Um, God creates you for union with himself. Now here's the last question, and today's readings kind of allude to it. Um, if God is God, okay, if God is this utterly transcendent, utterly existing, utterly kind of good thing that I'm not, how, how does God allow me any kind of commonality with him? I'll say that again because it might not make sense what I'm saying, but if God is God and I'm totally not God, then how do I start to share in God's life? Like how does something that's not God start to become with something that alone is God? Do you have any idea at all? This is something that's unique about Christianity because the general religious impetus is like, here's the transcendent up in the ether and we have to use all our brains and all our muscle and all our whatever to like launch up into God as best we can. And hopefully we climb the, the cosmic ladder and we get to God, we get to heaven, we get to happiness, we get to peace. That's not what Christianity is. Is that person meant to be here? Yeah. Oh, well, don't worry about him. Just pray for him. <laughs> um, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, what was I saying? That's not Christianity. Us getting up to God. It's precisely the opposite. God comes down and enters into the, the muck, if you like, of humanity. It's condescension in the true sense of the word. Has anyone... Like, condescension is usually a pretty offensive thing. It's like, hey, don't condescend me. Don't treat me like I'm less. But with God, it's actually what's necessary. God has to come down and condescend. He has to descend to enter into our life so that we can start to taste the presence of God. Close your eyes for a second. I want to leave you with just two images. They come from Scripture. One is the image of stars. All the way back in Genesis, God is speaking to Abraham and he says, you'll have as many descendants as the stars if you can count them. Um, what is it about a star? Well, for one, they're more numerous than you could ever imagine. Like there's an astonishing amount of stars out there. Well, that's the family of God. This kind of almost seemingly limitless family of people, your brothers and sisters who've gone before you, who will go after you, um, radiating the, the warmth and the light and the goodness of an all-knowing, all-loving God. The second thing is the image of the soul. So you've got stars, you've got the soul. We would say that the soul is the animating principle of the body, which means where does your body kind of get its life from? How come you can move around and talk and laugh and dance and play sports? You have a soul animating your body, giving life to your body. And you're both parts. You are your body, you are your soul. You are your mind, you are your um, gifts, you are your journey. This is what God's made you, this beautiful, complex thing, you know, that, that resembles him. It's wonderful because he's wonderful. In that reading, Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. And he says, unless... It's not in this reading right here, but he says, unless I do this, you can have nothing in common with me, right? Unless God washes your feet, then God's out of our reach. If I can invite you for a moment, as you're imagining your immense dignity, which is just out of this world, it's literally out of this world. Imagine God, who is utterly pure and wonderful, stooping down, 
coming to you as if there's no one else in the universe. There's just you coming to wash your feet so that you would know him, that you'd share in his life.